You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to this Facebook Friday episode here at Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. In segments two and three of today's episode, we're getting to your questions from the Locked On Saints Facebook group for our Facebook Friday show. Would you rather Rondell Moore or Deontay Harris? If Drew Brees pulled a Brett Favre, where would he go? Which quarterback can get the best out of Michael Thomas and potentially get him back to his record-breaking 2019 form? We'll discuss all of that and much more as we have a lot of questions to get through for Facebook Friday. But first, the news around the Saints quarterback situation, particularly around the draft, continues to swirl. Kyle Trask, KJ Costello, and Davis Mills all being tied to the Saints one way or another. Is there something to this or is this just due diligence being blown out of proportion? As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, deputy brand manager over at CanalStreetChronicles.com and your Tuesday co-host over at the National Locked On NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's get it started for today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate y'all being here. And again, appreciate the patience as we've been traveling here throughout the week. You know, we're out here trying to do things. So we appreciate y'all being along for the ride and appreciate all the support and understanding along the way. So let's go ahead and get started with today's episode. I want to start off first with uh, some of the news around the Saints quarterback situation. Now, as far as most people are concerned, the quarterback situation for the New Orleans Saints comes down to Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. And for some folks, if you go over and check out CanalStreetChronicles.com, some one of us wrote a piece about how there's not even a competition there and that this is Jameis Winston's all the way. And so that's usually the the conversation that's going on when we talk about the Saints quarterback battle. But as you look across the national media, there's a lot more here. And we're here to decide whether or not it's smoke and mirrors or whether there's actually something to this, right? Is it smoke and a fire or is it just smoke and mirrors? And so we look across and we can see Matt Miller today, who's great, uh, talked about the Saints being in line for a guy like Davis Mills, the quarterback out of Stanford, even as high as 28. Uh, and this is a guy that on most boards and most analysts look at Davis Mills as kind of a third round prospect. But again, he's a quarterback. So there's the positional value conversation. There's the opportunity for a fifth round, uh, sorry, a fifth year option that, of course, becomes very important. So you know, the main question was, would a team trade back into the first round at the end of the first round in order to grab Davis Mills, get a quarterback on a cheap rookie deal and potentially have the fifth year option there for them as an option if they decide that they, they want to move forward with them for an additional year before settling on a long term deal. So for the Saints coming up into that conversation, it was a little bit less about them trading back into the first round, which I think the Saints, honestly, if they select at 28 should consider trading back into the bottom of the first round. I don't know if they'll be able to do it. I mean, it would cost you next year's first probably, or at least a couple of seconds, right? This year's second and maybe next year's second. And then a late selection, sort of like what the Baltimore Ravens did a couple of years ago when they traded back into the first and drafted Lamar Jackson. We'll try that out in a mock draft Monday here uh, at, at the beginning of next week. But that's that's an option for them. But is Davis Mills really the guy there? Now, he's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong. And, and he's somebody that has a little bit of mobility to him. 18 touchdowns to eight interceptions over the course of his career. Only played in six games in 2019, or eight games in 2019, six as a starter. 
played in five in 2015. Uh, missed only one game because of a COVID error during that, but has uh, you know some left knee issues that kept him you know redshirted his 2017 season. Only appeared in one game in 2018, but then you know most of that was before he took over for another guy that has been connected to the Saints, which is KJ Costello, because KJ Costello used to be at Stanford before he transferred over to Mississippi State, and that's where now all of a sudden these connections are starting to happen with the New Orleans Saints and KJ Costello as well. Now, if I had to pick between Davis Mills or KJ Costello, I'm probably going with Davis Mills, but I want to give a quick shout out to our good friend, Christy Freud, who's joined the show before and will join the show again, because she's the one who broke the news about KJ Costello having met with the Saints and there being some pretty good chemistry there. So KJ Costello being a later round selection that could potentially be an option for the Saints. And then another late round option, later round option that has been connected to them is, of course, Kyle Trask, who we've talked about before, third, fourth round makes a lot of sense if you want to stick with your Drew Brees style of of play, right? Somebody that's not necessarily going to push the ball down the field, but is going to be very precise and probably is going to be a little bit more Chase Daniel for you than is going to be Drew Brees for you at any point in his career, but he's an option. So now as all of these quarterbacks continue to be connected to the New Orleans Saints, you have to ask the question, how genuine is this? And if we look back at years before, we always hear that the Saints are interested in quarterbacks and everyone always blows it out of proportion because everybody was sort of utilizing that to drive the narrative of, hey, Drew Brees is retiring or Drew Brees should retire or the Saints are preparing for Drew Brees to retire, which wasn't untrue, right? We've heard from Sean Payton, thanks to Albert Breer and Monday Morning Quarterback, that the Saints were preparing for life after Drew Brees and have been for nearly half a decade now. But is this just another example of that now that Drew Brees is out of the building or not out of the building, but now that Drew Brees has retired, is this more of the narrative getting sort of fluffed in a way because of the fact that the Saints are looking at quarterbacks, which they absolutely should be? I tend to lean to that route. I'm not putting much stock into any news about who the Saints are connected to or who the Sa- who you know experts believe the Saints are going to draft until after the Saints draft them because we just simply never know. The Sean Payton... Mickey Loomis, Smoke and Mirrors, this is what they do all day long, right? Like they're okay with all this news coming out and whatever, because it might not even match up to what they're doing. And then if it does, you have things like this where you have people like me that are out here questioning it, right? In terms of the news that's out there and it helping to sort of like cloudy the waters anyway, so it doesn't matter. But it, it is a very interesting thing always to watch the Saints during draft season. But again, I'm not going to put too much stock into you know, particularly the quarterback situation with what we've seen from the Saints before, who have been always willing to do their due diligence at the quarterback position. And we've already heard from Sean Payton that, look, they feel like the quarterback room is a strength. They're willing to build on a strength. So if the if the the pick makes sense, whenever they are up to select and they go with the quarterback, then that's fine. But do I think it's going to be Davis Mills in the first? I'm not too convinced about that one. Speaking of quarterbacks, we have a really great question coming up as we continue on today's episode. If Drew Brees were to pull a Brett Favre and say that he wants to return to the NFL, what team would make the most sense for him to return to that's not the New Orleans Saints? We'll talk about that and much more as we get to your questions here on our Facebook Friday. And we'll continue to talk about these quarterbacks for the next few weeks as well. We'll break each one of these guys down. And like I mentioned, Chrissy Ford's going to come through to talk KJ Costello as well. So we have a ton coming up there. And as always, we appreciate you very much for being here with us on today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure to go and check out our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to place bets on all of your sports action. Right now, they have a ton of specials up for the NFL draft. They had uh, Justin Fields as the number three pick at like five to one, and I caught it. I caught it right before they took it off. I swear it was only up for like five minutes 
before they took it down, but go and check them out because there's some really easy, there's some easy money out there right now on these uh, NFL draft specials. So go and check those out at betonline.ag. And if you don't like betting on those, don't like betting on the futures, you'd rather bet on the games, no problem. They still got you covered in the NBA and the NHL and in the MLB now, as well as they're under full swing. There you go, pun intended. They've also got awards, TV shows, and reality TV that you can go ahead and bet on as well. So we've got you covered with just about everything that you can imagine. It's betonline.ag, the best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. So just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps, to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Go and check them out. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, family, we are rolling right along with another episode here, Locked On Saints on our Facebook Friday. Once you're done here, make sure you check out Peter Bukowski over at Locked On Today. Lots of basketball storylines on today's episode. So if you are an NBA fan, you do not want to miss today's Locked On Today. Follow along in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, so let's jump into our first question today. And I'm going to start off with a banger real quick because I just love this question and I want to make sure that I talk about it. Uh, Andrew Cummings. What's the likelihood of Drew Brees pulling a Brett Favre and potentially unretiring and playing somewhere else? He believes that it's absolute zero, by the way, when it comes to Andrew, but wants to know if I had to choose a team for Drew Brees to go other than the Saints, where and why? So I I ran this around in my head a couple of times, played college football with the Purdue Boilermakers in Indiana. Could the Colts be an option? Maybe. Uh, he's from the Texas area, Houston, a little bit closer to Austin than Dallas is. So perhaps the Texans, but we know that that, um, uh, franchise is in, has been in turmoil for, for quite some time. So I actually talked this over and, and I asked, uh, I asked Megan about this. Everybody know Megan, my fiance. And so we were talking about it and she actually had a really good idea with the Detroit lions. Um, look, Jared Goff, not a very good quarterback. <laughs> now, they're tied to him for the next two seasons, but let's just say that Drew Brees does return and he wants to go somewhere that's a little bit more familiar, that has, you know, that, that well, has some familiarity. There's a couple of different elements of that, right? Aaron Glenn led defense. That's really great. You also have uh, Dan Campbell there now as well, of course. And then you have Josh Hill, who also went there uh, to continue along with Dan Campbell. So I really like her idea which was to the Detroit Lions. And that is an offense that can operate as an offense that operates close to the line of scrimmage. You get a guy like DeAndre Swift and then a couple of new receivers over there as well. I'm kind of feeling the idea of the Detroit Lions. So I'm going to put them out there and shout out to Megan for the great answer on that one. Let's jump over now to Michael Murray. Based on what we know about Taysom and Jameis, which quarterback has the skill set best to get Michael Thomas back to his 2019 form? I like this question because it's really specific. Getting him back to the 2019 form means volume, 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 volume. So for me, that's probably Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, when he came in, threw to Michael Thomas at the same rate of passes per game than Drew Brees fed him as early as, you know, as early as he could in the 2020 season. Obviously, they didn't overlap very much throughout, but if you look at the target share from Michael Thomas over the four games with Taysom Hill, and then later on in the season when he when Michael Thomas and Drew Brees were actually back on the field together for those couple of games. You could see that there was a lot of similarities there. Taysom Hill really leaned on Michael Thomas throughout those four games as a starter. So I would say him. I would, though, say that 
Jameis Winston unlocks another element of Michael Thomas's game, which is a vertical, vertical, which is the vertical part of his game. So there's two different conversations, right? Getting him back to his 2019 form means volume. That's Taysom. But getting him into his next level, for me, that's Jameis Winston and unlocking the vertical assets that he brings. We'll come back to another Michael Murray question here in a little bit. But let's move ahead to Scott Wishart. Uh, will we see Will Clapp back with the Saints? Provides great depth for the interior offensive line. And also, what are your thoughts on Isaiah McDuffie late in the draft as a burner on special teams? So for me, Will Clapp coming back to the New Orleans Saints makes a ton of sense. Honestly, I'm actually surprised he's still out there. I thought that the Saints would have brought him back. But if there is an opportunity, I would say that Will Clapp coming back to the Saints, at least as a part of the 90-man training camp roster and potentially ending up on the practice squad again here in 20. Can he? Yeah, I think he'll be here. I think he's still eligible for the practice squad. But either way, seeing him come back for training camp uh, would make a lot of sense to me. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back. And then as for Isaiah McDuffie, we'll talk about him here in just a moment in the next segment a little bit more because Scott's going to come back with a mock draft that he did. So we'll circle back to Isaiah McDuffie here in a little bit. We'll move on real quick to Tomas, who asked, hey, Ross, the, uh, between linebacker, wide receiver, and cornerback, which one would worry you the most if not addressed this offseason? That's easily cornerback for me. It's easily cornerback for me. Um, linebacker, at least we have Zach Bond, who we'll talk about in our next question here. But at least, you know, Zach Bond is there and the Saints drafted him and they want to see him move to that off-ball linebacker spot. So there's at least pieces there that could potentially be worked in. Chase Hansen, as well as a popular name there, opposite Demario Davis. The big question for me is who is going to be the cornerback on the opposite side opposite Marshawn Lattimore because we've watched his defense struggle a ton by not having a viable CB2. So for me, out of all of those positions over on the defensive side in particular, which just concerns me more than the offensive side, which is why I'm not too worried if they don't address wide receiver, line, uh, linebacker is one I can deal with, but corner is the one that I'm really, really concerned about. All right, now final question for this segment before we get to the final five in the next, we'll jump to Adam Barnes here. Hey, Ross, so what's going on with Zach Vaughn? Moved up to get him but didn't see much playing time last year. Is it way too early to call him a bust? But where do you see him being most effective? So yeah, I agree with you. It is way too early to call him a bust because he didn't really get a training camp last year. And while that didn't factor into a lot of folks, not a lot of folks were coming into the NFL and changing positions and then had the opportunity to really be effective in their first year. You look at a guy like Isaiah Simmons, who didn't really have to change positions, but was drafted top 10. He barely saw any playing time with the Arizona Cardinals in their defense as well. This was a very, very tough year, 2020 was, for these rookies that were coming in, particularly those who had to change positions. You saw Cesar Ruiz struggle, and then you saw Zach Bond not get a ton of playing time. And even when he did get playing time, they didn't play him where they wanted to play him, much like Cesar Ruiz. They ended up having to play him as sort of this additional edge rusher, this additional blitzer off the edge. The intent with Zach Bond is to move him to a Mike or Will off-ball linebacker spot. So I think we have to wait and see how that all progresses before we can really evaluate Zach Bond and what he ended up being. The team really likes him. They were considering moving back into the first round to grab him. They were trying to trade up into the second round to get him. And then luckily for them, actually, none of those trades worked out and they were able to move up early in the third round instead, which cost them obviously a lot less than moving up and back into the first to grab him. So they were able to bring him in and then now he'll have an opportunity this offseason to actually work out, train do everything he needs to do to get acclimated to that off-ball linebacker position, and we'll see if he can get there. We know that the Saints love to shuffle around what they do at the linebacker position in training camp. Training camp opens up in July, so we'll get a much better idea at that time about what we're going to see from Zach Bond. 
All right, y'all, we have many more questions on the way. We have a listener mock draft to take a look at. We're going to talk Rondale Moore, Deontay Harris. We're going to talk about Isaiah McDuffie, as we were just asked about here just a moment ago. And we're going to talk about whether or not Sean Payton's going to be petty in this NFL draft. Of course, he got a uh, golden opportunity handed to him last year. Could it happen again this year? We'll talk about that and much more as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Don't forget to go and check out our good friends over at Built Bar, BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bars ever made and the best tasting protein bars that will ever be made. I I keep telling y'all, these things are absolutely ridiculous. You have a ton of incredible flavors, including lemon almond cheesecake, which is absolutely one of my favorites, caramel brownie, like how could you even pass that up? There's so many phenomenal flavors, 18 different flavors, as well as limited edition flavors that drop all the time and limited edition flavors that are incredible. Remember, a limited edition flavor won our bracket madness with coconut brownie chunk. And of course, each one of these flavors is covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, low calorie, low sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber, high in deliciousness. So go and check them out over at BuiltBar.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, one five, use the numerals to get 15% off of your next order. Doesn't matter if it's your first order or your next order. Don't matter. You're getting 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. That's why we love them. BuiltBar.com. Go and check them out. Get it, Huda Nation, rolling right along with today's episode of Locked on Saints, wrapping up our Facebook Friday. Real quick, before we dive in to the final segment here, I want to remind you that the Locked on NFL network of shows and podcasts is shifting into draft mode April 19th through the 26th. Tune in to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, featuring analysis from all of our NFL experts, as well as a bunch of our college experts and some very special guests, including Hall of Famer Michael Irvin. Brian Baldinger coming through with as, as the king of breakdowns. Michael Lombardi, the quarterback expert. Stay tuned for more about where you can find the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey. We have some very, very fun stuff coming up with all of that, and you will not want to miss it. So let's go ahead and wrap up today's episode, taking a look at the final five questions from the Locked On Saints Facebook group. Let's go back to Michael Murray for a moment. If the Saints don't add a wide receiver, who on the current roster emerges as a replacement for Sanders. So a lot of a lot of speculation around this has been Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith is somebody that was drafted out of UCF specifically because of or at least one of the one of the big things was his downfield uh, ability as a wide receiver. Uh, 59 catches, 1171 yards and 13 touchdowns in his final season in 2017 with UCF. That's 19.8 yards per game. One of my favorite, or excuse me, per catch, one of my favorite jokes around Traquan Smith has always been from John Sigler, who came on the show right after Traquan Smith was drafted and said that the apostrophe in Traquan stands for 19.8 yards per catch. I mean, the guy is, it was incredible down the field. So a, a lot of speculation has been to pointing toward, let me say it that way, Traquan Smith being that guy as we've mentioned before, Marquez Callaway has some really good downfield ability as well. 21.2 yards per catch his final season at Tennessee. So either one of those guys feels like the right guy to step into the place of uh, of Emmanuel Sanders as the Z receiver opposite Michael Thomas at the X. I know that, you know, Deontay Harris, of course, has a ton of speed, but he's going to be more of your shot guy than he is going to be your 
you know, guy that could do a, you run the full route tree from the Z position. And so that's why I look at guys like Traquan and why I look at Marquez Calloway as well. But let's not leave out Deontay Harris from this conversation, of course, because we also have another question here. This one coming from Andrew Lotz. Who is better, Rondale Moore or Deontay Harris? Now, Andrew goes on to say that he would love to see Rondell Moore be a saint, but he thinks that Deontay is essentially the same player and same type as Rondale. Now, the big difference between the two of them is Rondale's ability to take on tacklers, right? He is not only somebody that is elusive and evasive like Deontay Harris is, but he's kind of a running back with the ball in his hand and he can fight through contact as well. That's part of why he had so many of those you know, incredible yards after catch, run after catch type plays while he was finishing up his career at Purdue. So that is something that is a little bit more uh, that Ron, maybe Rondell Moore packs a little bit more than Deontay Harris. But y'all know me, right? Y'all know who I am. I'm always going to say I would rather roll with the guy that has experience in the system. Deontay Harris has experience in the system. So to me, if it's the option between having Deontay Harris or Rondell Moore, I don't have a problem with the Saints moving ahead with Deontay Harris. And Deontay Harris gives you a little bit more in terms of the deep threat Rondell Moore can serve that role, but we haven't seen him have to do it much. He was more of an underneath run after catch guy who has some deep threat ability because of his speed and ability to separate, but we'd have to see that translate, right? Deontay Harris, we already know, can separate deep and can work in the short to intermediate areas. So when I look at more of a three-level uh, three level threat, I would give that nod to Deontay Harris a little bit more, but maybe some of the yards after catch ability a little bit more over towards Rondell Moore. Now, Andrew also brought up a couple of other names like Tylen Wallace, who could potentially be a better name and a better option. I agree with that in terms of looking for somebody else that could be that Z receiver, as opposed to somebody to get mixed in in the slot and get mixed in in a shot play every now and then. Let's go to Scott Wishart's mock draft real quick. Uh, 28, so no trades here. 28 overall, Jalen Phillips. Love that. Uh, 60th overall, Diami Brown. Talk about another potential deep threat option there. There's your immediate replacement for Emmanuel Sanders. 98, Hunter Long, tight end. 105, one of my favorite names in this draft, Stone Forsyth, the offensive tackle out of Florida, six foot eight, about 307 pounds, ran about a 5'1240 in his pro day. He is a much better pass blocker than he is a run blocker, but he would have some time to develop. And you're drafting him at the end of the third round with your second compensatory pick. It's a pretty good spot there. He's somebody that could threaten for an immediate starting role on another team if it's not the New Orleans Saints who are already set there. He also played a couple of games over at the right tackle position in addition to his sort of home spot, which is the left tackle position. So there's a little bit of versatility there as well. Next up is South Carolina cornerback. No, not JC Horn, but Israel Mukuamu, who a lot of folks have talked about potentially making the move to safety, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, the guy's six foot three, uh, doesn't have the best mobility in terms of his speed or anything like that. So having him back, you know, removed from the line of scrimmage certainly could help him out in his career. Josh Imater Bebe at 218, excuse me, in the sixth round. Y'all know we like a deep threat that uh, can get up and, and win some challenges there. Guy jumped almost 47 inches in the air. The guy's ridiculous. Christian Uphoff, the safety at 229, picking up a, uh, a box safety there. A guy that could be really physical around the line of scrimmage, but also a really good special teamer. And then Isaiah McDuffie, who we talked about a little bit earlier. Now, Isaiah McDuffie is an absolute tackling machine, just has a nose for the ball, can get after and make some plays in the run game, but he is going to be a big time special teamer. Two of the best special teamers in this class are going to be linebackers, Isaiah McDuffie and Grant Stewart. Those are going to be two of the big special teamers to come out of this class. And I think Isaiah McDuffie in the late round would be a solid selection for the New Orleans Saints. It would make a ton of sense, right? Darren Rizzi always calls day three special teams day. So there you go. Isaiah McDuffie, your special team selection there. 
All right, and we're going to get to the final questions here, which are coming from Felix Grimm, our good friend from over in Germany. He's got a pretty popular college draft expert out there who mentioned some running backs that he wants to get some opinions on. Kenny Nwangu, the uh, running back out of Iowa State, who's really electrifying. Kenneth Gainwell uh, was at number one on that list for that uh, for that draft expert, and then also wants to know a little bit about the NC uh, the NC running backs as well out of North Carolina. So Kenny Nwangu is somebody that has a ton of underrated potential. Uh, he's somebody that doesn't get talked about too terribly much, uh, and I'm really interested in as you know a potential to see exactly what could potentially happen for him at some point and wherever it is that he ends up. He's a really interesting guy. I think that he ends up falling into day three at this moment, six foot one, 210 pounds, but has some really good speed at uh, four, three, one, and then had a really fantastic 10 yard there as well at a 1.45. So it's really, really quick coming out. Good burst, good explosiveness. So he does a little bit of everything, has some underrated characteristics, but he's somebody that I'm really interested in seeing. Kenneth Gainwell is another one of those guys. He is probably a day two uh, guy coming out of Memphis. Uh, he's your usual Memphis can do anything kind of a back, right? They love their athletes at Memphis. He's just a little undersized, five foot eight, but 201 pounds, ran a 444, a little bit slower in terms of the explosiveness, 1.62 in his 10 yard split. So, you know, it's got a little bit there in terms of getting the giddy up going, but once he gets the giddy up going, he's gone. That's basically what you need to know about Kenneth Gainwell. And he's a pretty good receiver out the backfield as well, averaging about just over 11 and a half yards per catch on his 57 receptions at Memphis, including 51 of those coming in 2019. He opted out of the 2020 season. Javante Williams and Michael Carter out of North Carolina, both very interesting prospects. Javante Williams, five foot nine, 212 pounds. Michael Carter, around five foot seven, 200 pounds. Javante Williams is probably the better built back out of the two. Michael Carter is a little bit undersized, but Michael Carter is the better receiver with over 80 receptions in his career over at North Carolina with the Tar Heels, 82 receptions for 656 yards and six touchdowns. So he was a little bit more utilized in the passing game, but, you know, totaled over 1,200 yards last season on the ground as well, while uh, while Javante Williams had over 1,100 yards on the ground in 2020. So the two were electrifying together in uh, in North Carolina. So the thing that really operates and really sort of helps them out is their ability and their knowledge already having worked in a two-back system and in a multi-back system, which can very much work to their favor in today's NFL. So those are my thoughts on those running backs. We'll see if the Saints invest in a running back. If they do, I think that it's day two, day three, as opposed to being, well, obviously they're not going to go running back in the first round. That would be insane, right? Right? Wouldn't it be crazy? Uh, we'll see. But, you know, day, late day two, day three would sort of be the place that I would expect them to look at running back if they look at running back in the draft at all. All right, y'all. I appreciate you as always for coming through another week in the books here at Locked on Saints. We will be back on Monday and continue on through Monday through Friday, getting you ready. We got Mock Draft Monday coming up right after the weekend. So y'all stay safe, have a ton of fun, and I will see y'all at the beginning of next week. I appreciate you as always for listening, rating, reviewing, and helping to grow this family. You can catch me on Twitter at Ross Jackson. Nola, hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And of course, who that nation you can trust. I'll holla at you.